This is CliffCentral.com. Good morning and welcome to Disrupt with myself, Mpumin Tlapo. Thank you for joining us once again. Um, today we have a very interesting, a very relevant topic that we'll be discussing. Um, but to kick us off, imagine a situation where you walk into a mall and already your phone or mobile device starts giving you suggestions of which shops to visit. Coincidentally, those are shops you were visiting for the first day. Once you get to those shops, you get specials of the items you're looking, pushed to your phone or tablet, from the availability of sizes to the make or design. Even after you've left the shop or the mall, your device acts as a personal assisting, assistant, helping you to navigate the mall and simplify your entire shopping experience. Well, that is not something we need to imagine any further. In the studio with me today, I've got Adrian Maguire. He is the managing director of Fatty. Fatty is a subsidiary of Atterbury, which is one of the largest uh, developers of shopping malls and commercial buildings in South Africa, Africa, and now into Europe. Adrian, thank you for joining us and welcome. Thank you. How are you doing today? Absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. You must be. From our conversation earlier, it seems um, you've, uh, as you called it, found the golden goose and you're really pioneering a new area from a business perspective. Can you just maybe very quickly introduce us, uh, firstly, to Atterbury, um, the holding company for, for Fatty, and then let's talk specifically around Fatty. Yes. Um, so I, I think what I'm going to do is, is also take it a little bit further back, um, as you used that analogy earlier with regards to uh, engaging the shoppers. I think that that's one of the things that we've realized that people are doing it blindly. And uh, the challenge with that, specifically in the bricks and mortar environment, you don't have enough information to do that. And, and if you don't do it correctly, you're actually going to uh, make the, the, the shoppers disgruntled. So from an attribute perspective, we've been absolutely blessed. I think we, we've really been fortunate from a perspective where we started the product and we started the, the environment in a bricks and mortar shopping center to say, how do we become more competitive in a bricks and mortar environment? How do we utilize the digital environment inside a bricks and mortar environment? Um, and in the same vein, also with regards to digital shopping, how do we uh, manage the, the onslaught of the, the digital shopping? Um, so from an attribute perspective, we were actually given, I'd like to call it almost carte blanche and say, Use the best technology you can to to make us competitive, and okay. and that and that's where we started three years ago. Okay, it's interesting because I read somewhere that South Africa, I think, we're in the top seven or so most mauled uh, countries in the world, and, and so I would assume business at that point, from a development of new brick and mortar infrastructure, would have been good. Um, so, what drove you then to look at you know engaging technology at that point when I'm assuming you know you were doing very well building the brick and mortar environments? Yeah, so so I think South Africa is the the fifth largest, oh, the fifth, okay. the fifth yeah. Yep. Um, but but the, this is the, the the times are becoming tough. Um, retailers are battling. Uh, there isn't that amount of money around. Everyone's fighting for the same disposable income, uh, and you can't make these decisions on gut feel anymore. You can't make it on on what worked last year or the year before. You have to start making these decisions. On informed information and very critically with regards to forming strategies. So I think that's that was the eye opener. You can't wait until things have gone wrong. You've got to preempt that and and understand what you're going to do going forward. So that that was really the the catalyst of Sanderson. Let's get the information so we make more informed decisions going forward. Okay, so so we're sitting at a point now where you're given carte blanche to um, pioneer a new future for for the organisation. Talk me through those early stages um, and get us to today so that we can start talking about what the future might hold. Sure. It's been, it's been a roller coaster ride. Um, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> but mostly apps. Um, I, I think the, the idea was understanding 
we need to understand shopper behavior. We need to understand the, the benefits of um, being able to uh, manage crowds, understand what happens in a retail environment, not only from a, a, a mall perspective, also from a tenant perspective. So what we didn't do, and, and th- this takes a lot of guts, is we didn't sit in a lab with a whole lot of white coats and, and play with algorithms and, and technology. We actually went out and we deployed it in the wildest environment, which is a shopping center. Yeah. Uh, you don't control anything there. These people come, they go, things happen. Free access uh, to everybody. Free access to everyone. Uh, they do whatever they want. And, and fortunately, th- that was our benefit. Um, so as we went through it, we, and, and I always use, so we didn't know what we didn't know. Um, fortunately, from a technology maturity perspective, I'd like to say that was uh, our cleverness, but I think it was just very fortuitous that the time we decided to start doing this, the, the, the technology started coming of age. Um, we had access to some really good support from international companies. Uh, we then put the whole localized spin on it, and we focused a lot on delivering that value proposition to the end users. It wasn't so much about the technology, but it's actually what we could get out of the technology. And that was perhaps one of the biggest saving graces from us today. Absolutely. He's saying that we don't just have the technology that works, but we actually have a value proposition to the bricks and mortar environment. And, and, and again, I'd, I'd quickly jump 17 steps forward. It's now any bricks and mortar environment, not just a retail. And that was purely because we were able to, to get that golden egg from the golden goose with regards to the value of mass data. So maybe talk us through what um, Fatty does as a business and the, the technology that you're referring to, what it actually is and, and how it plays out within retail or other environments. So, it, uh, and I'm going to start at the end and I'll, I'll work back to, to where we, we started. Okay. So exactly in your analogy earlier, um, you want to engage and make um, consumers shopping experience a lot better you want to understand how to make it easy for them to purchase make sure that your asset is designed correctly your tenant mix is done and that all goes around having the right amount of information having the detail behind it so the way we go through sort of three phases the first is through a detection phase and the benefit is what we do is we understand the movement of people with inside a shopping center okay. the, the important part here is we don't take any personal de- detail uh, we don't uh, invade anyone's privacy through the wi-fi network we're able to monitor the movement of wi-fi devices anonymously anonymously very much anonymously um i think there's two very big benefits to this one is that um obviously not invading any privacy but first of all second of all is actually having a vast amount of data so it's not you don't have to log in you don't have to subscribe you don't have to buy a special device you don't have to have anything special just have your wi-fi switched on and we're able to start monitoring behavior real patterns with inside the shopping center. So I just I just want to stay there for a bit because that's quite interesting. Um, I mean, I, I um, have the opportunity to travel um, from time to time and in almost every single airport you need to give them your cell phone number or email address or something like that to access the Wi-Fi. And, and in your environment you're saying it's literally free and it's open and it's accessible. So, so there, there's three layers to it. So okay. the first layer is just having your Wi-Fi switched on. It uh, gives us the ability to do the monitoring and understanding the, the behavioral tracking. You can also log on to the Wi-Fi and there's, depending on which country you're in and which region you're in, uh, we do have a shopping center in uh, Mauritius which is absolutely abused <laughs> from a perspective of um, uh, Wi-Fi logged in so, so we have to then do some uh, capping and, and management from that perspective but th- th- there is that second phase of actually logging on and using it again we don't use that, a lot of people in the old days used to say Wi-Fi analytics they used to then abuse that information that they got from the capture portal 
our whole tenant and our landlord report and the information that we actually give to the end users or to the stakeholders contain none of that information. It's okay. actually about the demographic behavior more than what it is about the person's name. And this has become a, a great, great value proposition to us because it doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's what you do and where you go as a group and as a, a customer segment is more important than actually your age and your telephone number. Okay. It, it does make a difference if you do want to engage the customer, if you do want to start sending them notifications, you then do have to have logged on, you have to have opted in and, and complied to all of that. But that's the last part. That's actually the last 10%, the 90% of getting the data and being able to uh, show it in a valuable uh, perspective is just with a, a basic monitoring uh, mode. Okay, so that's the detection. That's correct. Okay, the second one? Is analyze. So the analyze part is is perhaps where we found the, the, the biggest learning curve. So we got the technology to work quite quickly. When I say quite quickly, probably within a year, year and a half, we then started going through the data. So to give you an idea, more gives us between three to five million lines of data a day. Um, I always say to the asset managers, ask us a question and we've, we'll give you the answer. <laughs> and, and that's not a from a point of arrogance, but it's purely because we've, we've got that amount of data. So the analytics part behind it is no one's ever seen this type of data before. So th- they don't understand when we talk about a unique visitor, number of visits, dwell time, conversion rates, conversion rates, who's standing, who first stopped outside your window before they went inside. What does that mean? So that you can get all that level of detail. It's absolutely phenomenal. It, it's really, it starts, and, and I use the analogy as well. In the old days, there was a roof on a shopping center. People went in and they went out and you never knew what actually happened in between. You just hope for the best. You hope for the best and, and you go on your gut feel and, and your, yeah. your past experience. And, and in many cases, very good. Uh, what we're doing now is we're lifting that roof off. We're looking at that detail. Um, the details also not from the perspective of the individual. It's about the people that visit certain environments at certain times and their behavior pattern we call a thing called pathing where do they come from where do they go what do they do and from that you build up a real good profile of the type of shopper um, what has been really interesting and, and we talk about the analytics um, because we've now rolled out in many shopping centers we've done um, ocean liners done crashes we're looking at doing a university um, you can actually see the same brand in the same environment the people that, or the shoppers that interact with it are completely different in a different country so in the old days of saying listen I've got the same brand that will always be on the left hand side of the anchor yeah. shopping center that, that's where we're supposed to do it we can clearly prove that that doesn't work every single time it's a good start but we can actually now go to that type of analytics and then start saying listen your feeder for this type of shop has a different reaction. So it's getting into the analytics. And, and, and by the way, I can go on for hours just on the analytics and the, and the reports. But that's the value proposition. It's getting to know what you don't know about the shopper when they're not in your shop, about the people in your environment when, when they're moving around, and also from a perspective of then extrapolating it into a a valid report. And, and maybe one of our biggest learning curves that, that we've gone through there is that we spent a lot of time on a, a great dashboard, a digital dashboard that, mm-hmm. that you could go and drill down into a number of different uh, bits of detail. And what we realized is is it just got lost. It actually was so great. Having too much detail basically lost the... It, it was too much detail and, and it didn't do the comparator trend. So we then realized very quickly it's not about the number. 
It's about the behavior. So is the trend going up? Is it going down? And what's the comparison between two different numbers? So the difference between two, two different numbers, we've got a loyalty number. So how many people return within seven days, 30 days, 60 days? To the mall or to a particular store? In both cases, we, we can monitor both, okay. um, which is very important yeah. because in certain uh, times of the year, the loyalty of the mall goes down and the loyalty of the tenants will go down. So you mustn't worry when your loyalty goes down as a tenant. But when it comes to January and the mall's loyalty starts picking up again and yours doesn't, th- then you've got to start start worrying. But in the same vein, if you just look at that number and you don't look at your new visitors, then you then you're also making uh, a, a in, informed decision. So your loyalty can go down because you've run a fantastic promotion and you've increased your new customers by fifteen percent. So by taking the, the the individual numbers, comparing them, you actually know where you are. I see. You, you then build your your KPI around that, and then you you interact again. So that's when you run your promotions. That's when you change your stock levels. That's when you change the, um, the as we we spoke earlier. That's when you run these really clever pricing structures where you think. It's it's um, on the fly, but it's actually been really well thought out. That campaign has been really well structured. They're assuming the people that will be in the mall at that time will uh, be price sensitive and would actually want to have a discount only for that amount of time at that uh, at that point as well. Okay. So, so it's about extrapolating the value of that that data. And so, okay, so we we're now talking about the behavior analytics, right? Correct. So what is the product or the output that you would give to a typical customer is is it a report is it a conversation how do they make sense of all of this to actually drive these decisions that you're talking about so so th- that's really been our our challenge to date so today what we pride ourselves in saying if anyone wants to compete against us deliver a report a written report that compares month on month, day on day, year on year, um, the ability to be able to extrapolate the true value of behavioral analytics in a written format, not on a dashboard. Dashboards on us, they, they, they're great. Mm. So that's the starting point. With regards to the verbalization of it, I think we're opening up a whole new opportunity of consultancy. Um, we've spent a lot of time, and, and, it, and it was definitely to our benefit, as we're going through the reports, both with the landlords and the tenants, we've realized what becomes more valuable. We understand the changing environment. So the, the next part of the, the, the product value proposition is actually the extrapolation of a strategy from the, the analytics report, and this is quite difficult. So we okay. are bridging so that. The, is that the third part now? Uh, the, that's still in the second part. So oh, okay. the second part is all about the analytics, okay. um, w- which is probably, to me, the most important part about it, is a, a, a able to understand that, to then create the campaign. Then the third part is what do you do with that information? So now how do you change the strategy? Uh, is it a short-term, medium-term strategy? Is it advertising? Do you change your assets? So so what we realized with every time we've deployed this the, the technology and we've delivered the reports, the stakeholders differ considerably. So in a mall, you've actually got an operations manager. You've got a marketing manager. You've got a, a mall manager. Mm. You've got an owner of the, the mall. Yes. Everyone wants something different out of those, those analytics. So the third part is saying, what do we do with that? So the ops manager will change the way the escalators perhaps would work or the way the cleaning staff would actually work. The marketing people would then realize this and we, we need to do marketing in another dead section of, of the, the shopping center. The um, asset manager and the mall manager will say, listen, let's change the tenant mix because we don't have the, the right type of shopability, the amount okay, of shops. So, so that's the third part is the actionable part of the, the, the analytics itself. And how do, you, how do you engage that part? I mean, I can see how um, you help with detection around the technology. I can see how you provide reporting, 
and I, I guess insights in, into the analytics within the second part. But in the third part, that's the execution mode. So how do you engage that, that part of, of the storyline? So in the early days, or and, and today where, where we are, we do a lot of that consultancy and assistance with, with the malls at the moment. Okay. However, fundamental change in our business, we, we go into the market now looking for partners that can actually spend time and effort in vertical expertise to actually start helping the, the asset managers, the, the property owners to extrapolate that value. I think where we've got a, a very good, strong value proposition is up to that point. In retail, we're definitely experts. In other sectors of the market, we're actually looking for partners to take that to the next, next level further. Mm. So I want to then talk about that point because, um, you started as a, uh, a company that was building malls, so in commercial buildings, so brick and mortar environment, um, and then at a point in time, a decision was made to explore technology as potentially growing your, I guess at the time, your retail value proposition. And you've quickly realized that it's beyond retail, and that I mean, you've mentioned some use cases for healthcare and the education space, creches, kindergartens, etc. So th- there's a pivot happening in your business. Talk me through. What's been happening during that period where you're realizing opportunities outside of your traditional business? So, so th- these are one of those very fortunate things where we never planned to have the business go where it went today. We never realized uh, we'd, we'd stumble across um, such a worldwide opportunity. Um, and it all started about a year and a half ago when we got a call out of the blue from someone in the UK and said, listen, we need location services on an ocean liner. An ocean liner. <clears throat> on an ocean liner. Okay. And you thought, hmm, interesting. So I said, well, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, th- they then carried on and said, listen, the, the, the customers realized this and they, they tried to do some other location services. Um, so the value proposition was already there. Can we get on board? Literally, can we get on board yeah, yeah. and, uh, get the services going? So we then paused for a moment and said, listen, we haven't actually gone through a distribution model. We've never deployed our network, our software on third party networks on, on, on a network that we haven't deployed. Um, and in this case, it, it was really, it, it was a, a great holiday. No, um, <laughs> uh, we got on a ship, um, six days later, what usually takes us three months to deploy in a shopping center took us six days to deploy on discovery one, uh, in the Mediterranean. Was that your first? time on the ship. It was the first time on the and ship. six days later you deployed the network or the software, the technology. It, it, the, it was up and running and we're gathering stats. Um, today, and, and it's actually quite a, 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 a interesting fact, is that we probably know more about what's happening on Discovery 1, Discovery 2, a few ocean liners than what the, the, the actual captain knows what's going on. We can actually see where the people are. We understand what happens in master stations. We understand what happens on uh, hot days, cold days, when they port... <clears throat> So th- th- that was really the, the starting point, realizing, wow, th- th- there's an international requirement um, for, for these services, um, and it's not just in retail. Uh, the interesting thing is what happened with Discovery 1 to Discovery 2 is they asked us to give them stats about the casino. Um, by the time Discovery 2 came in, they did nothing with regards to the casino, but they actually changed uh, the uh, concierge lounge and the uh, coffee stations around because they then started realizing this and th- there was a much better need for a coffee lounge and a concierge lounge. Oh. Um, so actually down to the way they designed the ships started coming out of the analytics. And uh, I think this is also one of the biggest parts, and I, and I keep harping on the analytics. 
they don't know what you don't know until you've seen it. So they thought they had a problem with the casino. The casino is what it was, but they actually had a whole lot of other problems which I then saw coming out of the And which the probably easy, a lower cost to resolve things that they can change relatively quickly and have a massive impact on the business. Very much so. And, and the nice thing is that they then do post-management. So everything that, that we do is it's you, you then come up with a strategy, you understand what you want to do, and you can then measure, measure it. Yeah. Did it work? Didn't it work? Um, and and that, that's, I think, the big benefit. If it doesn't start and stop, it's an ongoing organic process to understand those those trends. Just a, a question out of interest from my side. Um, my assumption is that there's no uh, cellular networks, etc., on the ships. So you deploying. How, how do you get the connectivity going on, on into those environments? So, yeah, so there's two things. One is there is a cellular network on the on the ships, um, but we don't use the cellular network. There's a the Wi-Fi network that's okay. on the network on the the ship. Um, and again, I, I was quite pessimistic when I started. I said, "Listen, wh- why would you actually have your phone on and connected to a Wi-Fi network when you when you're on an ocean liner?" Mm. Um, it shows you when last I went on holiday on an ocean liner. <laughs> <laughs> <Same here. laughs> um, and uh, what happens is that, and, and again, these are just one of those great benefits. People have become tethered to their mobile devices. They are absolutely data hungry. They want to stay connected. Um, in the ship environment, it's taking phones and, and it's far more cost effective being connected to a Wi-Fi network than a GSM network. And that straight away was, was quite an eye opener from our side. Again, in a, in a shopping center, we're monitoring between 70 and 90% of the, the people that, that uh, go through a shopping center. From a ship perspective, I thought we'd be doing 30 to 40%. Mm. Um, we, we almost up to 90%. Because, 90%. Because we know exactly how many people are on the ship, how many are staff. Um, another interesting thing is we did some asset tracking the first day we were there. They lost the, uh, um, iPad from one of the, the waiters. We were able to find it in one of the rooms. So the, the, the and again, from the, the, another level of, of value proposition with regards to asset tracking and understanding the movement, it just becomes greater and greater, even in, in real time as well. And there's opportunities for healthcare. I mean, healthcare is a big, um, talking point, um, <coughs> In the country, I think throughout the continent, um, how does it start to change healthcare, improve people's lives within within that within that context? So it it's very new for us as well at this stage, um, and it's it's really from a simple perspective where the requirement came saying we need to do asset tracking. There's only so many, and, and in the healthcare environment nowadays, there's very, very expensive mobile equipment. Um, as the statistics show that 23% of a nurse and stroke doctor, um, they waste their time looking for that equipment inside a, um, a healthcare environment. So the starting point was just to do asset tracking and understand staff movement. The next thing is from a perspective of, and again, anyone moving within that environment, we're able to extrapolate the, the value proposition and the design around it. So the whole idea is just to make the, the working environment so much more effective in okay. the healthcare. Okay. There's a whole lot of other value propositions where you go to wearables and you can do interaction. Uh, the same as on the ships that also want to go to wearable trackables. Um, I'm going to quickly jump to the, uh, the crash because mm. uh, everyone says crash. What on earth are you doing in, in, in a crash? Yes. So this is a crash in the UK. Um, it's about a million rand a year for you to send your kid to this crash. Okay. Um, so w- what they're doing is they're actually using it as an early warning system. So as soon as the bodyguard with the kid or the parents get to the bottom floor, it's, it's a it's a multi-floor environment, um, we actually trigger a notification that this person's coming to the, the uh, entrance hall and they can greet them and they can actually go through the correct protocol. So even from 
from that perspective, it's not about the historical tracking, but it's the live information Real time. Of, of where the people are and what they're doing. And again, in this case, it's actually quite nice. It's very much opted in. You're getting that information and you're utilizing it uh, very, very effectively. Similarly, again, in the healthcare, that, that environment as well is that you just want to make the, the whole process of the interaction with staff and uh, customers or, or patients at that stage far more effective. Stunning. So I want to then go back a little bit into retail and make reference to the PricewaterhouseCoopers um, Total Retail Consumer Survey 2017. And uh, no surprise, but you know they highlighted the fact that retailers are facing some of the most challenging times that they've ever faced. Um, and a lot of it driven by the threats or the challenges um, from the digital or the online retailers. Um, and I know one of the conversations you, you talk about is how the brick-and-mortar retailers um, can adapt and adopt some of the learnings and practices from the digital retailers. Um, can you maybe just talk a little bit about that um, and how you know some of the technologies that you deploy look to enable that, 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 those capabilities for the brick-and-mortar retailers? Excellent. So, so I think it's – and this was one of the, the first things we looked at. Um, the most important thing about online shopping today is the information they have about you. So when you're on the – uh, web page, they know which pages you've gone into, ones that you've actually gone back from, your previous purchases. They know your likes and dislikes purely from the behavior that you've interacted through your digital domain. Yes. So what I decided to do, let's do exactly the same in bricks and mortar. Let's understand that shopper behavior to make sure that that uh, tenant, that uh, product offering is proportionate to the person shopping. So what we've done is we take the same amount of information. So I'll use the, the statistics we have. So when you're browsing and you go into a page and you bounce, you, do, you don't spend much time there. You come out, that means there was something wrong. The price was wrong. The product was wrong. They didn't have your size or color. You bounce out and you went somewhere else. You dwelled on a page. You stayed a long time there. You were engaged with something. That's what what you enjoyed. Yes. You only ever go at 9 and 10 o'clock at night. Um, that's your behavior. And that's the people going at 9 and 10 o'clock at night are looking at certain products uh, that they, they would want to purchase. So we look in a shop in uh, a bricks and mortar environment. We see how many people bounce very quickly once they've come into you. Well, the start from the, the, the starting point. How many shops are visited by a shopper when they come to a shopping center? This will already tell you, do you have the right tenant mix? Do you have the right product offering in your, your shopping center? The next thing is, what is the engagement with, with the shops themselves? If they're also bouncing, they're going into a shop. You've done all the effort of getting that person there. You've yes. gone all the effort to convert them into your shop. You don't have the right product. You don't have the right color, price, shoe size, whatever it is. You then realize this and there's a product issue I have here. Start rectifying that. You then also start looking at the time of day that that happens. You also start looking at your passerby as well as your conversion. How many people stop at the window and don't go inside? That's exactly the same as you viewing a page and you're not going to the next page. Yes. It's exactly that. So you take all that information and you utilize it in the same way as what the, the online uh, markets uh, use, utilize as well. It is a challenge. On a, on a digital environment, you can change your product a lot quicker. You can be a lot more precise. Yeah. You, you can be, but from a bricks and mortar perspective, you have the advantage. The person's gone to the effort of being there. It is easier to sell to someone when they're in your presence. You have the, the, the opportunity to engage them in a constructive way. I guess they've already taken the step. 
you know, they're right there. Um, so, so again, I think also from a perspective, the, there's also very much a place for bricks and mortar and online. There are some things that, that you just can buy online, which is great. A lot of people still want to feel, touch and also speak to someone. Um, this will slowly change, but the, the, the whole idea with regards to bricks and mortar, make it easy for the person to purchase what they want. Don't make it difficult. And the only way you're able to do that is actually understand the shopper that's actually shopping at that stage. And and again, this has got nothing to do with color, race, age, gender. It's about that shopper behavior. So that's, again, 100% our value proposition. And have you seen some successes that you can share with us um, where you've um, implemented some of your your, your insights um, from a data point of view and that's had fundamental changes for, for the shop? You know, for the mall owners or for the retailers? It's an ongoing process. We have seen some. I think that the nice thing about this is that through the process that you're going through, it never stops. Uh, in one case, we actually had uh, quite a large anchor tenant in a, not, not in South Africa. Um, head office was quite reluctant um, to, to take on the, the, the analytics. Uh, purely from a perspective, they said, listen, it's a lot of work for us to analyze it. Our product offering is standard worldwide, uh, South Africa or internationally, uh, and we're not sure that, that we'll be able to utilize it. Um, we then went on a trial period with um, the, the manager, and again, it was quite a large store. After the third month, um, he actually copied us in on, on a mail where the, the South African marketing uh, company had actually done a full strategy of where they're going to be placing what adverts, what specials they were able to run, why they were going to run them. And, and obviously from that perspective, the, 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 it showed in the till as well. Absolutely, but, yeah. but it was actually the convincing a skeptic to say we can't make changes on a individual basis. And when I say individual basis, a localized basis, because we're a national company, they, they realized through the analytics that this, this uh, specific shop in a different country had a very different behavior. Pattern to it, so I think that that was one of the, the greatest accolades that, that, that we had. Okay, I, I want to then maybe just dwell on that because uh, a lot of what we hear about now is hyper personalization. You know, it's the advent of the individual, the individual consumer. How do you tailor make goods, products, services, and experience specifically for that person? And if I listen to your value proposition, it's about aggregated data. Um, it's about overall consumer behaviors. How will you start to embrace? This hype, this, this question of hyper-personalization and really the ability to deal with an individual and tap into exactly what that particular person is looking for. So I think that's really the journey we're on at the moment. Um, I think up until to date, there's been very little data available and especially um, behavioral data. Um, what I also say is that our stats don't change anything. Our uh, stats just show what happens. Yes. It's up to the tenant and it's up to the, the marketeer to make those changes. So I think that's the next learning curve that we're going through is actually that call to action out of the data. Um, from a South African perspective, I must say, I think we're still a little bit um, and I won't use the word lazy, but we're still doing what we used to do. And th- this is now taking quite a, a disruptive uh, look at, at, at marketing, and, and it's very much that. Mm. Um, so I think that's the journey in South Africa. Um, overseas, it's very different. Um, they're saying, give me the following stats because I am going to market. I'm going to engage my customers very differently. I want to know where they are. So they're actually asking us where their customers are because they already want to do the, the marketing. So I think that that's also a great benefit from our side where it, the, the education part from, and again, I think from a European perspective, they are a little bit more desperate. They are the, the competitive edge there is massive. Yeah. So as this competitive edge gets greater, 
you're going to have to have more uh, data and also be more competitive in your offering as well. So, so that's really where we're going to get to. As you want to start doing that competitive engagement, the analytics will be able to help you from that perspective. And are they are they adopting it? I mean, if I look at some of the retail customers um, that that we deal with, and um, if I listen to them talk about opening 300 new stores and with a target of having 1,500 new stores within the next three years, um, it 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 paints a different picture from what I read about in terms of what's happening in the U.S. and the doom and gloom with retailers there. Um, what what's driving that? Is it just consumer behavior? Are we just not maybe adopting technology as quickly? What what is Creating this paradox that, that I'm that I'm seeing. Um, it, it's fundamentally a mindset. You, you're going from a marketeer that, for the last ten years, has done exactly what they've they've always done before, and uh, they never were fired because of it. Um, what we're doing is now we're exposing the detail. We're actually making people become very accountable for what they're doing. Um, in many cases, it and, and again we, we point out the good and the bad. Um, I think the adoption curve and the execution of it is slow because okay. of the the mindset and it's also the, the capability of the people reading the reports now. It's now not just a pure marketeer. It's an analytic marketeer. Yeah. It's a person that has to spend a lot more time analyzing it today to then analyze it tomorrow to see what is, what is happening. So I think this is one of the things where we're going to see a lot more traction in the near future. Um, and, and again, when I say in the near future, as more and more competitors have more information, you're going to have to start using your information more effectively. To stay competitive and relevant. Exactly. So, so as we said, we, we're still a new company that, that we don't, haven't deployed as much as what we want. As this deployment starts coming through, the competitive nature is going to come through. They're going to use it more, more effectively. And, and at the end of the day, and I think this is the important part, is the consumer is going to benefit. The consumer is going to get what they want, when they want it, and how they want it as well. So I think that's the end goal at the end of the day. So if you've got a happy consumer, you've got a happy tenant, you've got a happy uh, landlord, and that's really our objective is, is, is to have a very um, fair tri-party um, value proposition uh, across the board. And how well accepted um – you come from a telecoms background. Um, you didn't, you know, you haven't been a retailer. You haven't been a mall developer. Um, so you're almost disrupting uncharted waters. Excuse the pun. And so how willing are, you know, these different industries, whether it's creatures, whether it's the health environment, how willing are they to accept inputs that come from, you know, left of field from an industry perspective? Because you're not just changing communications. You're really changing fundamentally how they plan and equip their businesses for the future. So, so I, I think you have to be very respectful. Um, I think from a retail perspective, growing up in the, in, in the Atterbury environment, um, we had access to a lot of retail expertise for many, many years. So it was um, a lot easier in that environment. Very much so. And, and I must say, extremely comfortable in any retail environment today, being able to get access to a retail expert to also help uh, analyze the, the data. We've got some really good experts from, from that perspective. Um, with regard to the other industries, again, it's from a respectful date, uh, from a respectful perspective, uh, even from the ship's captain perspective as well. Yes. We can, we can extrapolate what we see, but it's up to them to interpret what they want. So until we get to that, that, that level, and, and again, this is something that we really want to embark on in, in the new year, is start getting that level of expertise, uh, either internally or externally, to actually start utilizing it more, more uh, effectively. But it's about a respectful nature. We, we know what's going on. We understand it from a hard fact perspective, but there's nothing like being closer to the business and understanding the detail of the business. Yeah, And, and isn't that just a great lesson, I guess, for business overall? I mean, the 
the patience and the respect when you, you know, um, delving into these new businesses because, you know, you'd often hear people talking about how this business or this new app came in and disrupted a new industry and so now it's ripe for anybody to just jump in. But I think the fundamentals of just respect and really understanding the landscape still remain key. Uh, very much so. You know, so e- even with the great granularity of our stats, it is still one dimensional from a perspective that, uh, you don't understand the localization. You don't understand the environment in which that, that, uh, mall manager or even that the, the shop manager is working under. So I've been in many meetings where I actually first look for the positive. Yeah. Understand this and what, what is working well. What are they doing well? What yes. are they doing well? Um, and it, and, and that's always a, a easy thing when people say, listen, what are we doing wrong? To first First, see what are they doing well um, and confirm it with them. This is the stat we see. Your loyalty is up or your loyalty is down, but it's but you've actually got a great return rate on a Wednesday. Is this true? So then start working from that positive nature and also confirming the reality behind it. It's not just about the fact. We we, we love the fact and we'd love to, to put a, a percentage to it. It's not just a lot or little. Yes. Um, but it's actually then working back and saying, listen, how do we take these stats forward in a positive nature and also correct what's wrong? Um, unfortunately, as I said before, it shows you the good and it shows you the bad. But it's actually been able to work with both of those to actually keep enhancing the good and the bad with the people still. This is the stats don't make the difference. The people. Are it's still the key. people, the people, the people. Okay, so then maybe can you um, assist us here? I mean, you've you've uh, I said earlier you've taken a business that was you know bricks, cement, steel, and it's now turning into a technology business. And there must be some lessons um, in that transformation because you still develop commercial retail and other types of properties, right? So that's still at the core of Atterbury, the mother business. But there's a transformation happening in this new entity that was birthed out of that. Talk us through some of the lessons within within that experience. So, so I think, as I said before, it's been a, that absolute roller coaster ride. I think the the, the great thing from an Atterbury perspective, and again, there's guys that do fantastic development within in Atterbury. Uh, I was just the, the the easy part, which was the technology part. <laughs> um, I think our roller coaster ride from the technology part was don't get hell bent on what you set out to do. Um, our, our vision changed, you know, from, from the starting point of what we actually wanted to do in the beginning to what we're doing today, taking a step back, reevaluating our position, um, looking, uh, and, and again, sometimes you, you're forced to do it. Um, and it, and it's a hard move into it and saying, listen, this is the way we want to run our business. This is what we think we, we're good at. Mm. Um, we've had some hard knocks saying, listen, that didn't work. Something else has worked. We, we've got some, uh, feedback from an international market taken Cognizance of it So I think the, the easiest way To say this In this journey Where we've gone Was not the journey We, we actually planned For ourselves It wasn't an easy journey From a perspective Of, of where I would have Liked it to have been I'm very grateful That changed Because yes. it's, it's much better Than what it ever Would have been But it's always Having your eyes Wide open And listening to Other opportunities While you You're building this path While you're on that Vision and, and mission uh, to, to that perspective So And, and utilize Every opportunity I, I think Atterbury Gave the opportunity And we absolutely used it to the nth degree uh, To the best that we could So mm. it was we, we didn't hold back and, and I think that was really, really A great benefit uh, from our perspective and That's actually so interesting Because what you're saying is that you, And it's, it's a theme that I've seen coming through In our conversation today That um, you will start on a particular path And you might get um, very attached to it um, Because it's really your foundation but what you're suggesting is that it might not be the best thing to do to be completely sold and blindfolded to that particular path and that you should 
keep the wise eye open and leverage opportunities as they come up. Um, because it's going to mold and shape where you end up eventually. Exactly. So, and, and this is where the point I have to really give compliment to the team. Um, I've got a, such a dynamic team that they, everyone's different in their own way. And, and I think everyone's been able to shape the direction in which we go. So we, we pull against each other and we argue a lot and we, we decide where we want to go. And I think that's one of the biggest benefits is to say, listen, I think you, you know a lot. However, listen to the other people and, as they start uh, extrapolating their experiences and their exposures, you realize, well, you know what? There is actually a better route to go down. Um, and, and this is and this is really where I have to give them credit. Through the team that we've got and, and pulling us in different directions um, has actually given us the, the, the opportunity of where we are today being a lot greater than, than what I would have ever done uh, originally as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, Adrian, it's been wonderful. I know you've said we can speak for hours on the topic, but I want to now bring you back to a couple of questions that we always discuss on the show with our guests. And they're very simple, and you answer them the way you feel comfortable. And the first one is really, um, I mean, the show is Disrupt with Mbumi, so we do touch on disruption, but we try to tackle it from very different angles, right? So the question I'll ask you is, what, how would you define disruption for yourself? Uh, a necessary evil. Uh, so the idea behind disruption is being able to take a change and make it positive and build on that positive change. So so you can't just be disruptive to be negative. It's constructive um, disruption and make sure you're building on that disruption. It's not just come in, bang, and disappear. Build on it to make a success of that disruption. Okay. And then my next question, uh, you work uh, fortunately for an organization that is you know significant in South Africa, significant on the African continent, and has also now got international um beyond the uh, beyond the continent um presence and is growing in that space what is your vision um um for south africa and for the african continent into the future so again from an african perspective and from a south african perspective uh we, we want to and, and i don't want to sound arrogant but we want to set the standard with regards to behavioral analytics and change the way people engage in bricks and mortar environments um, leverage, leveraging off of that really become an international trendsetter in this regard as well. I think it's, and in, in obviously more than just the retail, in very many other different verticals as well. Um, today I think we, we're probably on six or seven different continents. Uh, we'd like to be on every continent in every country within a very short period of time. Fantastic. And isn't that the vision, I guess, for all South African or African born companies is to really make a global and intercontinental impact. Most definitely. And, and I think it's an accolade to, to our capability here. You know, we, we, we always see ourselves down on the southern tip of uh, Africa. However, we've got far reaching capabilities across the world. Thank you very much. That was Adrian Maguire, the GM or MD of Fatty, a subsidiary of Atterbury Developments, um, a global developer of retail and commercial uh, centers. He's also now within the organization birthed a new technology-driven organization that helps businesses understand the flow of and movement of people into retail and other um, industries. Thank you very much, Adrian. Thank you for joining us today. Um, thank you for joining me um, on Disruptive Thumpumi to all our guests, um, to T-Systems, our sponsors. We really appreciate you making this platform available and we look forward to seeing you again next time on Disruptive Thumpumi. Have a wonderful day. This is CliffCentral.com.